Welcome to another episode of the Misadventures of an Inspired Woman podcast. Today, our guest is Tiffany, aka T Barb. Tiffany T. Barb Barba is a comedian, mother, entrepreneur, radio personality, producer, content creator, and vegan chef who used laughter as a way to get through life in the rough streets of Detroit. As a first-generation college graduate, Tiffany broke the curse of incarceration in her family and never allowed the odds to beat her. Always known for being funny and keeping a smile, she discovered stand-up comedy and has been blazing stages since. Her charismatic and versatile delivery makes her a fan favorite sure to crack up any crowd. Catch her 30-minute special on Amazon Prime's Getting Off, listen to her on the streets radio, or read one of her books. T-Barb's unique delivery and diverse perspective makes her the one to watch as the next comedy star. I am so honored and excited (laughs) that you are here. Um, Like I was saying, I recently got into Clubhouse and you came into a room where we were talking about first generation college students. And you said something about like, I got on the Greyhound to go to school. And I was like, I need to talk to her. (laughs) Well, you know what? Thank you. I I appreciate you for um, just acknowledging my story. I don't even know how that group popped up. Um, But when I saw it, I immediately was drawn to go in there and speak because it was a chance for me to spotlight my story. And the craziest part is that because I'm I really believe in science now for a long time, I've always ignored them. And something in my heart was like, go tell your story in this group. Go tell them. And normally I'll be like, nah, because I'm really just getting comfortable with discussing the things that I do and who I am, believe it or not. Um, you know, I'm one of the people in the crowded room. If they say she a comedian, I'm like, shh, you know, <laughs> don't say that. You know, I just want to chill. Um, but just something drew me there. So obviously it was a purpose. And honestly, I I was in the room, but I was like, the convers- there were parts of the conversation I didn't really care for. But when you came in, you lit the room up, you had so much energy and what really shined through for me in that moment was your resilience. And, you know, on the podcast, we talked to women who, you know, they're inspirational because they've done great things. You're doing great things. You have a special on Amazon. You got books. You're on the radio in Detroit. Yep. Well, um, the radio, it's a app. So you can hear all around the world. You People can hear you all around the world. Yeah, listen, listen y'all, I got y'all somebody really good. Okay. <laughs> and you didn't just get there. And that's the stories that we try to tell. And this season, we're focused on dope Black women doing dope Black women things. And dope Black women things are the things that only dope Black women can do. And that's you. So that's why I wanted you here. So where do we even start with your story? (laughs) I mean, wherever, wherever you would like to to start, you the captain and I'm the captain. (laughs) The thing that really strikes us, um, stands out for me when I just read your bio is that you said you broke the generational curse of incarceration in your family. What does that mean? Like, what was the generation before you? Okay, so um, just a little bit about myself. And I, I talk about this in, in my first book, which is Faith Over Fear, Tales of a Retired Hood Rat. That was the um, other thing that I loved about, <laughs> that I loved about, you were like, your name on there was like Retired Hood Rat. And I was like, 
Okay, yes, there's a story. And I get a lot of flack for that. So that's another reason why I wanted to come in and talk in that group because I noticed, and especially in the African-American and the Black community, I noticed that we like to place a lot of judgment and we're so big on semantics. We're so big on the way something is said um, and that we don't understand that some things that people say are really empowerment. So yes. I've, I've, I've received a lot of slack. It's a lot of people that they don't like that. They don't understand why I use that moniker. But to me, it's embracing my story and where I came from. So just a little bit about myself. Um, I would have been the third generation to be incarcerated as far as from my parental lineage. Um, my mother and father met fresh out of prison. So they were out of prison in a prison vocational program. And they met and they got together and they got pregnant. They, they weren't in a relationship. They really didn't know each other. They were just smashing, as they say, in today's <laughs> generation. Um, but luckily, you know, my dad stuck around. My mom was raised in foster care. And so my grandmother went into a mental health institution when my mother was two years old. Mm. So that's one of the reasons that my mother suffered a lot of abuse um, while being in foster care, which led her to go off into drugs and to have mental health issues. So my parents were heroin addicts. Um, and then my grandmother on my father's side was also incarcerated. So that would have made me the third, the third generation to be institutionalized in some way, whether that's mental health institution or prison. Um, so that's what I mean by breaking that generational curse. Um, I was able, I have a, a very complex story, so we'll try and simplify it just a little bit um, for the podcast. And we'll mm-hmm. see if that um, is that I've dealt with it all. So my father lost his kidneys when I was nine years old. So I've been a nurse. I've been through two kidney transplants, double amputation. Um, and there were things that even though he had afflictions and drug abuse, he still was a stand-up parent to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, he still put me in, in trumpet class. No, he was a drug dealer too. So, you know, drugs didn't be having money. <laughs> so he was having some money, you know. He was putting me in all the drug dealer kid activities. You know, I was at <laughs> camp and all that. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> for a minute, and then he got really sick. So when he got really sick, that really changed the tide for me. And that little bit of stability that, even though they both had issues, that stability that I had on one side, I kind of lost. And um, I the first time I smoked, I was 11 years old. The first time I went into a bar, I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, most of my friends dropped out of middle school or high school. I was the only person that still went to school. I hung up with adults. Um, I've been drinking like on a regular basis since I was like 14 years old. Um, I got my first job. I was 12 years old. I've been catching a bus since I was nine years old. So I've just been doing a lot of different things. And it came to a point in my life where I was in a major conflict. I'm from an area called Joy Road here in Detroit. And I was in a major conflict in my neighborhood. My father was very sick. My mother's mental health condition was starting to decline even more. Um, And I just had a lot of issues. And I was always good at school, though, very um, academically inclined, always loved school, always loved to learn. I don't know if that came from my parents reading books in prison. I don't know. They read them. (laughs) I'm sure. Ain't right. nothing to do with prison. This is before they took the books out. This is the 70s and the 80s. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> um, so it's like they kind of instilled that in me. Despite all of that, you know, it's certain things that were instilled in me that I was like, you know what? I had a teacher who took an interest in me. I was able to go to a gifted um, student program at a school called Cranbrook, which is like an internationally known boarding school, which really changed my mind. 
And so about three weeks before college started, they paid for my housing deposit. So this was for high school. This is high school. Going into college, they Mm -hmm. paid for that and they walked me through it because nobody in my my direct family really knew anything about financial aid or those things. But I had a teacher who showed me and about I was on my way to the prom and I actually almost had a fight in my prom dress talk about this in the book and they ran up on me and tried to jump me and all this stuff and that was the make a break point where I knew if I don't leave Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it because were you at that point considering not leaving because of what was going on with your parents (sighs) yes I was because I was raised as a caregiver so a lot of people who parents are on drugs or have mental health issues you are instantly a caregiver, whether you want to be or not, because Mm -hmm. you find yourself picking your parents up. Mm -hmm. You find yourself making them something to eat. So I already had a caregiver mentality from going through the kidney transplants, but I knew that it would hold me back. And it hurt me to leave my father um, knowing he needed my help. It hurt me to leave that environment, but I, I knew God told me I have to. If I don't, you will not make it out of this environment. And so it was about three weeks before school started, I decided to spring that on my family that I was going to go to college. Mm. And uh, my sister was eight months pregnant. So she would have went with me, but she like she couldn't travel. My father had just had open heart surgery. And my mama, hell, I don't even know if she remember me saying it or not. She was in La La Land. Um, and so we ended up organizing me a ride to Memphis. And then from Memphis, I caught a Greyhound bus. I never been to New Orleans. I had about $400 in my pocket. I didn't even know you had to buy your own sheets or towels. I didn't know nothing. I, I just was praying that my name was on this list when I got in the line. Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm just getting chills. Just listening to you <laughs> tell this story of your 17, 18 years old, 18 get years a ride old. from Detroit to Memphis. Yeah. And then you get on this bus that's mm-hmm. taking you to New Orleans. Right. And you have $400 and you have no idea what is awaiting you. I don't know what New Orleans look like. I don't know what it smells like. I don't know what it feels like. All I know is that I'm from Detroit and everybody told me don't comb my hair. They put some braids in my hair because they said I was going to get voodoo. That's what they kept saying. <laughs> don't comb your hair. You know, like, you know, we was all on that. So my best friend was like, I'll put some braids in your hair, girl, because you can't afford to. <laughs> to comb your hair, somebody put something on you. Um, but that that was my experience. And I could re- really remember, I think one of the most vivid memories for me in that it was standing in that line to, you know, get your housing and get your assignment and remembering everybody continuously staring at me because they're thinking, okay, she's in this line for a minute. Somebody about to then I could see people, you know, and like if I wanted to go to the bathroom, I'd be like, well, could you watch this? And they'd be like, yeah, but I know everybody was like, well, where is her guardian or her parent? Right. It wasn't one. It was me. And, um, you know, I end up befriending some people. That's a good thing about HBCUs, which I was saying um, in the first generation group on Clubhouse, is that I needed that structure. I wouldn't have made it at Michigan State. I wouldn't have made it at University of Virginia. None of those places. I needed somewhere that was going to coddle me, give me some structure, Mm -hmm. give me some rules and give me a smaller classroom setting where they can take a vested interest in me because I was one of those students. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anything. I didn't know anybody there. 
Um, I think I had a pack of cigarettes and probably two bags of weed at the time. I was a smoker back then. <laughs> and um, that's how I met a lot of friends too. <laughs> I was giving out cigarettes. I was I was giving them bad habits. Like, <laughs> So what made you, because I know a lot of students, I think that came up in the conversation and I've, I mean, from my, my experience for college, I stayed at home and I took the train to school every day. But I remember working at this school in Florida and I was, the school was in Miami and this young lady came to school from Tampa. And when I told you her grandmother dropped her off on Saturday or Sunday and on Monday, she was like, I'm going home. And there was no talking her out of it. <laughs> she was like, this is not for me. I can't stay here. I had enough. <laughs> I need to go. Like there was, we could not convince her at all to stay. Like classes didn't even start yet. She didn't even experience anything about college beyond the dorms. What was it that you think kept you those four years there? Um, I think, and this is something, like I said, when I, when I, because I had always wanted to write a book and I'm glad I kind of waited to do it um, because I really talk about this in a book too, is that, the people that were around me kept me and mm. it is, is I cannot stress. And, and I feel bad because my first book, I was, I just changed everybody's name, but I was using their name. You know, <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, yes. And then Marsha Bradford, you know, like, and so my best friend all through this book, she's a probation officer now. She's probably like, I don't want nobody to know that, but I love you, girl. They know it's you now. This is your same uh, best friend that braided your hair. No, no, no. So my best friend that braided my hair, and it's a conflict with that girl. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, was some of the people I grew up with. And you so had to leave that behind. I ended up separating a lot. It, it took years though. It really, it really took years. And that's why I was talking about as far as embodying people, because there are people that are in that in-between stage. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you the center and you walk in the church. And everybody's looking down on you. How do they expect you to get to this higher level of higher being if no one accepts you or if no one loves on you or if no one gives you that example? So that's what I mean by we have to stop being so judgmental as a people and understanding that some people just don't know. And I ended up, uh, my best friend is actually in L.A. She's from L.A., born and raised. And it was a lot of things that I would do. At the time, she was like the mama. I'm like, she too responsible. You know what I'm saying? So you met her at college in New Orleans. At college, yeah. Okay. We were we were lived next door to each other, mm-hmm. and she came over and was like, "You should you should come be my roommate." And so we end up being roommates, and we just clicked. We just clicked. Um, I clicked with some other positive young ladies. Don't be wrong. We were college students. College students do stuff. Mm-hmm. We kids. Um, but. For me, it was a whole different world. It was totally different. It was like a lot of success. And I was used to seeing success, but in drug dealing capacities or in street ways. So I was seeing people who parents were doctors or lawyers. I was seeing people who they had generational wealth because their grandparents left them this. I was meeting people who were telling me, no, nobody should call you a B or H, which is something that we had grown accustomed to it was just it was like nothing no one should be talking to you this way um you're too pretty to you know and I don't want to say too pretty it's not that but I had never felt that you I was were one of these pretty girls life. that was out here fighting oh oh so many fights <laughs> 
I done had, I done have, I, I have, I've been stabbed before. I've had a lot of fights. Wow. But wow. at the time, I didn't, I didn't see value. I didn't feel like I was attractive. I didn't, I didn't feel worthy. Mm-hmm. And it took me being around people who allowed me to see the greatness in me to push through. And I think if I wouldn't have went to a historically black college, I probably wouldn't have made it because my professors took an interest in making sure that I was successful. That's amazing. That's amazing. I just felt like God definitely was looking out for you, put you in the right place with the right people to get you on this path, Mm -hmm. a totally different path than the one that you were on when you when you left Detroit. No, absolutely. And um, God, God has been it. I'm telling you, that's why people say, well, you know, you can make stuff up to write a book. I don't have to make up anything. No, um, I could really just tell my story because it it's been a hell of a ride even to where I am now. And, um, you know, but but I'm proud of myself. I'm I'm not big on being like, girl, you did it. I mean, every once in a while, we all got to do but that. But girl, you did do it. <laughs> thank you. You did do it. And I'm proud of you. Like, I just met you and I'm proud of you because. Oh, thank you. I mean, so many people don't, so many people become victims of their circumstance. Um, and and you did it. And a lot of that was God looking out for you. And a part of that was you seeing these signs and paying attention and, and you know, grabbing new opportunities. Because I'm sure it was scary for you to like get on this bus or go room with people that you don't know. It was scary. I, I'll tell you what, when I got there, and, um, you know, we get out the bus station and it was my first time seeing a palm tree in real life, even though palm trees aren't indigenous, they have them all over the city. And um, I remember it being so hot and I had on like this dry fit tight top and I remember I had these armpits stains. It was just like, what is this? Like, it was so thick and I was so used to, I was smoking all these cigarettes. Lord knows I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, praise them. But it was so thick, I couldn't even puff the cigarette. I'm like, what kind of air is this? What is going on my chest? So it was like, it was crazy, but um, but I, I'm thankful. And um, I was able to, even when I came home in the summer times, you know, I was able to work at a business I ended up owning. I was still able to go on and get my graduate degree. And I was able to actually be a social worker for 14 years. And um, I really wanted to devote my career to helping people just like me who had, you know, I could have been a protective services case easily if someone would have came to my home on the wrong day. So I really wanted to dedicate a portion of my life to, to giving back to that population and just really showing them that you don't have to be stuck here because a lot of people that didn't grow up like me, it's hard for them to fathom, but mm-hmm. it's real. And people don't know and they don't have the support to do better. Mm-hmm. So you become a social worker. You work as a social worker for 14 years. And then. And then I was like, it's time to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I've always been. A, so I was an entrepreneur when I was in college and I would come home in the summer times. I used to work at this hot dog cart. Okay, I ended up buying the hot dog cart after I got out of college. He wanted to retire. So that was my first time really getting my feet wet as far as being an entrepreneur. So I've had that hot dog cart for 16 years now. 
Wow. Um, downtown Detroit. Yep. Cadillac Square and Woodward or Jefferson and Randolph. We do uh, private events, Amazon, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, all that kind of stuff. So you may see me selling some hot dogs. You know what I'm saying? Don't even worry about it. Yeah. One uh, of my colleagues is from Detroit. I was, I was, uh, I'm going to send her the information. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. We always for hire and stuff. And then, um, so yeah, so I went on to work at a private agency then for the state of Michigan. Um, while I was there, I did seven years in children's protective services. I did three and a half in foster care and I ended my career in adult protective services. Um, I've won the governor's service award. I've been employed a month a thousand times. Um, but what happened was one of my coworkers, and this is why I say it's very important for people to pay attention to signs. Mm. and to pay attention to people and to pay attention to where you're at at what times because God will strategically place you where he wants you to be for whatever reason. We may not understand at that moment, but one day we will. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a coworker in Adult Protective Services. Um, I ended up going over there. CPS is a hard job. It's a very stressful job and it's a high burnout rate. So I did it for a long time and I decided I wanted something a little cushier. And I, you know, at that point I had nine, 10 years with the state and with government jobs, seniority is everything. So Mm -hmm. I was able to move around. I had a great reputation, but I never wanted to be in management. Like they approached me a lot of times, like, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, when I went over there, my coworker was a comedian and shout out to Monique King. And so I'm, I'm a fool. I've, I've been a fool. That's probably how I I had a lot of fights, but I probably would have had 20 more if I wouldn't have been so funny growing up, you know, Uh, because it was like, either you're going to laugh or you're going to take this butt whooping. Either way, you know, (laughs) it's going to be handled, you know, (laughs) and see when your mother has mental health issues, kids are cruel. So, you know, my mama walking down the street talking to herself and so they going in on me and I'm like, look, I'm about to smack somebody or you better laugh, you know, that kind of thing. And um, she invited me to an open mic, which is where anybody can come up and say some jokes. And she told me I had three minutes. Mm. Um, I invited 40,000 people <laughs> to hear me. It was crowded for that three minutes. And uh, once I did it, I loved it. It was like, this is, it's like I instantly knew this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my, this is it. Like this, this is me. This is perfect for me. This is it. And I I worked for two more years after that. I started to set myself up. I started to take it very seriously because I had an MBA. I was able to apply the business aspect to comedy, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't understand. Funny ain't really all that comedy is. Comedy is a majority business. And um, I just started doing my own thing and I had my hot dog cart and I, I decided I was going to work there full time. I was going to quit my job and that I was going to really um, pursue my entertainment career. Wow. I am just like blown away. <laughs> just I could sit here and listen to you talk all day about all the things. But like I said, I'm incredibly proud of you. I'm so glad you came into that room. And it's funny that I was in that room because it was I think it was like Sunday night. And I was like, I'm tired of being on Clubhouse. I ain't going in nobody's room. But we both were in there because I needed to have you on this podcast. Um, I'm so excited for everything. So now you have two books out. 
Yes. So I have two books out. Um, matter of fact, hold on. I was downstairs. I, I had them set up. Look. Wow. Look, because you know you got to have. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, because you're address. vegan and you have a vegan cookbook. Yes, I am vegan and I have a vegan. So that's a whole nother. <laughs> and my life has really been all about transformation. A lot of it is drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just. You know, it's the way it's been going for me. But yep, I have my first book, which is available. Wait, hold now. it still, so at least I can get right. Okay, I'm going to mail you one. Oh, uh-huh. so you make sure that you send me your address. That's good. I eat mostly plant based, but I still eat fish and eggs. So this book, um, so this is the Hood Rat Kitchen Vegan Cookbook. Mm-hmm. It is a base. So feel free. I talk about it in the book. I mix the book, the recipes with different stories as to how I got um, to become a vegan, um, how I started, how I was pescatarian, vegetarian, and then now I'm just full-blown vegan. Um, the book is customizable. So it's not really about vegan. It's more about meal boosting. So I talk about like black sea salt. We talk about uh, bell peppers because they have 123% of your daily suggested vitamin C. And um, like I got a pineapple bowl in here. If you wanted to add shrimp to that pineapple bowl or cheese, that's up to you. But we do have it as a base to kind of give people direction. And I have a shopping list in here that gives you some some ingredients maybe that you would not have never heard of or thought to use. So. Listen, I okay. So you have tales of a retired hood rat. Yep, faith over right? fear. Tales of a retired hood fear. rat. That's on uh, Amazon Kindle. That's on Amazon Kindle. Yeah, you have the Hood Rat Kitchen, which is your vegan cookbook. Where can people find that? They can find that on my website, which is t bar t b a r b is funny dot com. T barb is funny dot com. Awesome. And you have an Amazon special out, a comedy special out. I got to go check that out. Yes. Okay. So that's, if you like clean, clean, that ain't for you, but you'll still like it. (laughs) It's very raunchy. But that was the, that was the thing that they wanted getting off. It's on Amazon Prime. It is produced by Rugo Networks and Mind Vision, um, which I am a part of the Mind Vision and the Rugo Networks team right now. I'm under the management of Donnie Armstrong, who is the owner of those companies. Um, and we do it's a five part series so it's five different episodes 30 minutes a piece i'm episode number one so if you have amazon prime it's completely free to watch great comedy special um go check it off not getting for our grammatically correct sisters out there getting getting we getting off okay Um, so yeah so i have that out no g no g Listen, I'm so excited. So what do you have coming up next? Like what? <laughs> what don't I have? No, um, actually, so like I said, we just, this book has been out maybe like a month now. Um, little, yeah, about a month. So it's been doing well. Um, I also have a radio show every Monday on the Streets Radio. The app is Streets with a Z313. Um, it's called the Retire Who Rap Morning Show. Uh, we do Manifestation Mondays. So I do that. Um, I also assist with programming there. So any new up and coming hip hop artists, they can send music to the streets radio music at gmail.com. And if they mention T-Barb, I'll make sure that someone um, listens to it. Also, I just wrote my first script. 
um, which we're getting ready to put into production. Um, I'm excited about that. That's going to Rugo Networks. I wrote that with a guy by the name of Mike Larson, who wrote Whoopi, Reba, the Bill Marshall, very heavy hitting um, Hollywood writer. Listen, I'm glad I got you now. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, you know, you girl, when you blow up, I'm going to have to email like three people to get to you. (laughs) And listen, what's so crazy is I take a lot of things and my man, he, they about getting tired of me just taking on what I want to take on. So (laughs) I don't care though. Listen, this me doing this, how I've been doing it. I was recently also published in Fox on Fox uh, 34 and CBS and NBC um, conglomerate um, regarding the Hood Rat Kitchen cookbook. I also, <laughs> I know you like that. Yeah, I love also it. also casting for season two of Getting Off. So they brought me on as a producer for this next season. So that's also going to be on Amazon Prime. And then we have a television network that will be launching in April called Rugo through Vimeo. It's R-U-G-O network um that we're going to be doing that of course i still do hood rat kitchen um private cooking lessons for people i have some cooking classes coming up for everyone who bought the book i'm going to do some free cooking classes um for them i also have an agency called loving and our purpose which is a home health care agency so any person who has medicaid and they're looking to stay in their home um, I partnered with uh, my partner, Jackie Tuella, who also has 30 years of social work experience so we can give our clients um, the best they need. Um, I'm flipping a couple properties here in Detroit. Listen, so. Tiffany is where the money resides, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. <laughs> oh, you know, I wouldn't say that, but I would say I'm on my way to where to where the money. Listen, is. we're gonna speak those things as if they were where the money was at. That was the funniest thing ever. Okay. Listen, we all claiming it, and I love that you're doing all these things. You're grinding. You're hustling. What do you do to take care of yourself? Um. Well, <laughs> I look like well. Is that uh, a growth point for you? <laughs> no, I think that for me. Generally, I like to try and take a vacation every mm-hmm. so often. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I'm just coming out of denial because all of my family and friends feel like I am a workaholic. Um, you don't feel that? No, I feel you like got I like behind. fifty businesses. <laughs> I wouldn't say fifty, but forty-seven. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just really in the building stages, and that's the difference. I think like somebody like me who who is self-made or like when my parents passed, I wasn't left anything but bills. You know, I had to pay for funerals and stuff like that. So I've, I feel like I've been behind as far as building that wealth and, and building things that other people who maybe had a legs up had the opportunity to do. So I always feel like I'm behind. Um, I'm always looking for ways to continue to grow my brand different businesses that I can, you know, invest in and, and and be a part of and just anything. I'm always trying to learn because I'm taking a class actually on EDX right now, a screenwriting course with Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So just always trying to be where the money reside. Okay. So now that, now that you're moving out of denial about your, your workaholicism, <laughs> um, what types of things are you implementing or you're thinking about implementing? 
as far as self-care or just Mm -hmm. doing stuff well i would like (laughs) i would like to see myself maybe treat myself to things a little more like i used to go to dinner of course we can't go to dinner now um but even just having a chef or getting a massage or i'm starting to think because i don't sleep much that I need to take a day and just go to a bed and breakfast or something and just and just try try to sleep. <laughs> okay, so this is a growth point. So th- I'm gonna tell you what I tell everybody: um, self care shouldn't be an event; it should be a lifestyle. So the same way how you implemented your vegan lifestyle, you want to implement things like a bedtime, <laughs> meditation, yoga, working out. You know, you can definitely schedule in facials and massages maybe once a month or something like that. If you know that you're kind of, you sound like you're always ripping and running, but look for little ways and little pockets in your day to day where you can do something for you, for your body, for your mind, for your spirit. You know what? I'm I'm going to agree with you on that. I'm going to agree because in the summertime, so I did a lot of remodeling and I got into gardening mm-hmm. with something new for me. And that was like my self-care at that time. So I did find myself struggling once the weather broke here in Detroit because I I would go in the backyard and I'm talking about I got hydrangeas for days. Look at my retired hood rat. Got hydrangeas, my girl. <laughs> I'm back there with the with the violets. You know, I, I got a little it. lavender. I mean, my backyard, I have a hammock back there. I've turned it into an oasis. But you're right, as far as this time, and I really wish I could get on a plane. I'm scared, though. I ain't gonna lie. I'm scared to get on a plane. No, But I I want to. I feel you. I I mean, there's a way to do it. Um, uh, One of my friends, she recently traveled. um, Travel Becomes Me, that's her handle on Instagram. She literally just posted a video about how she went about doing it. She went to St. Martin for about a month. Um. Mm. So there's a way to do it, you know, just got to be super careful and be picky about where you're going and things like that. But you can you can definitely do it. And I think the idea of an Airbnb, like if you go to a different part of the state and just chill out for a little bit or even, you know, just be in your house and make a conscious decision not to check your phone, not to check your email and just pamper yourself for that day. You know what I'm saying? It's possible. It's, it's completely possible. No, it, it is. And I and I agree with you that it is necessary. I think that sometimes we get, or for myself, I get caught up in the grind. And like I said, I'm one of the people that I don't ever feel like I've done enough. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something else I could be doing. There's always something. And I do have to get out the mind frame of feeling like that and understanding that, hey, you are worthy. You have done enough. You know, sit down today. <laughs> you're amazing. You're amazing. You're, like I said, you're doing dope things. And I can't wait to see even more of you and what you're going to do. I'm so grateful that I met you and that you agreed to come on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, Anytime, you know, I, I love that. It's a great way to expand, you know, my brand and connect with other women. That And I think that's what I love about Clubhouse. That is what I do like because you can connect on another level. Mm-hmm. And we all know with comedy, especially social media is so big and I'm not huge 
on social media. You know, I'm okay. I, I post some funny content. So if anybody follows me on Instagram, tbarb underscore, you definitely laugh. But I'm from that generation probably right after I wasn't raised per se with social media. It, it came right. as, when I was a young right. adult, but it's not ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't all on it. And I think with Clubhouse, it gives me an opportunity to kind of talk and connect in a way that I can't connect on other social media platforms. Yeah. And look, you need to be on somebody's stage when outside opens up, telling your story, encouraging young people, encouraging women, encouraging everybody that, you know, you can break these generational cycles and you can, you know, walk in your purpose and get in a new on a new path and Yeah, you need to be out there just doing all those things. So the last part of the interview is where we switch to the lightning round. And it's just random questions that I ask you. Don't think about it. Just give me. Let's go. Okay. So what is your favorite color? Red. Okay. Um, What is your favorite dessert? Cheesecake. Vegan (laughs) cheesecake. Okay. Um, ooh, okay. That sounds interesting. I make a great vegan cheesecake, by the way. Okay. Celebrity crush. Celebrity crush. Ah, you said don't think about it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't know if I got celebrity crush, but this is gal Instagram. He's so fine. You know what? He is a celebrity off the P Valley show, the light skin. He looked like a thugged out Drake. I like him. <laughs> I think I have to look his name up. I can't remember um, it. His name Diamond on the show, though. He fine. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? Or. <laughs> okay, okay, here's the alternate question to that. Okay, right, because you might want to get alternate. <laughs> what is something that people would be surprised to know about you? That I only listen to talk radio. Okay. That I, I listen to NPR all day, every day. And the final question is, who plays Tiffany T. Bar Barbara in the story of her life? And what kind of story is it? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it a stage? It's a dramedy. <laughs> a dramedy. And who plays you? Tiffany Haddish. I, yes. Tiffany Haddish plays me. It's a dramedy. It's because it's a lot of drama mixed with a lot of laughter. And despite Everything that I've went through in life, I have smiled through almost everything that I've been through. And you have a beautiful smile, so I'm I glad. I got my teeth fixed. <laughs> when I got that job I, with the state, girl, the, listen, we was in training, and I came to training late with some braces on one day. When I found out they paid for them things, I was like, baby, y'all won't fire me without these braces. I'm going to get something up out of here. I love it. This was so much more than what I hoped for. It was everything that I hoped for and so much more. Please stay connected. You are now a part of our Goal Getter Tribe. I'm so grateful to have met you and thank you. How can they find you? So your website is? My website is www.tbarb. That's T-B-A-R-B-I-S. F-U-N-N-Y.com. So that's tbarbisfunny.com. They can also connect with me on social media. My Facebooks are Comedian T Barb. And also I have a Facebook page for The Hood Rat Kitchen. On Instagram, I have a page called The Hood Rat Kitchen. I also have Retired 
Hood Rat Mornings, which is our gossip page. It goes over topics. We may talk about stuff like that. And then my main page where they can laugh and, and really connect with me one-on-one is T Barb underscore. Now, I don't know who the first T Barb is without that underscore. They impersonator. But they made me do the underscore. So it's T B A R B underscore. And if you want to book me, it's always T Barb Entertainment at gmail.com, which is another one of my companies because we produce different events as well. Awesome. Thank you. That's pretty much it. Thank you for listening. Wasn't that inspiring? Just going back over that interview, which I did back in January of this year, has been so inspiring to me. Just seeing how Tiffany has been intentional on creating her own legacy and not repeating past mistakes is the best. And also, if nothing that she shared resonates with you, I wonder how many of us feel as though we have to keep going we have to keep building and we never take time for ourselves to take care of ourselves to take care of this vessel that we call a body and so I encourage you to institute self-care as a lifestyle and not an event be sure to subscribe to the podcast like share follow me on instagram at Dr. Keisha, that's D-R-K-E-I-S-H-A. And remember to always be intentional.